We are all fascinated with the unexplained because it is just that, unexplained. Our minds need to understand what it is that they are experiencing. The paranormal is a belief. Some choose to believe, some choose not to. In each episode, I will endeavor to take a look at a case of the unexplained and try to determine if these incidents could have a simple explanation or whether the only rational explanation is otherworldly. I hope you'll join me on this journey as I visit a place with a history of hauntings. Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast, The History of Haunting. I've been fascinated by the paranormal now for many, many years and finally I found the time to sit down and make a podcast about it. A History of Haunting is going to be literally that. We're going to visit places which have a history of paranormal activity and investigate those. Where it's practical, I will always visit the place and just try and get a feel and hopefully experience something unusual. And once I have everything in front of me, everything I've researched, everything I've read, everything I've experienced, and hopefully I'll get to speak to people as well who've had experiences of the hauntings that I'm going to visit, I will then make a conclusion. Is this simply an everyday experience that has been misinterpreted? Can it be explained away by the mundane? or? Could this be something that genuinely is otherworldly? Do I expect to get an absolute concrete conclusion to say this is an unusual occurring, a paranormal occurring? No, I don't. Of course, how could we expect to get that? But hopefully we can get something that is on the way towards definitive proof that this case is a genuine case of a haunting So where do we begin then with episode one of series one? The beginning has to be something that's important to me, that means something to me. Now, I was born in Burslem, Stoke-on-Trent. So the first case I'm going to visit is a famous haunting of North Staffordshire, a famous haunting of the town of Burslem, which is one of the six towns that makes up Stoke-on-Trent. Probably one of the most famous hauntings that has occurred in North Staffordshire, certainly in the Stoke-on-Trent area, is that of a witch, a witch by the name of Molly Lee. Now, truthfully, this isn't something that I'd really come across in my readings on these subjects. However, when I started looking into it, it is a very, very interesting case. And also, there's even been a film that has been made about it, and it's called Molly Crows, and it was made in 2012. It's not a film that I've seen, but it is one that I will be trying to get my hands on. As I said in the intro music, this sort of thing is something you either believe in or you don't believe in. So first, ask yourself the question, do you believe in witchcraft? You know what? This is one of those things that maybe... 10 years ago, if you'd asked me, I'd have said, it's probably Buncombe. And then I had an experience in a place called Neffin in North Wales, which I've got to be honest, shook me. And and, and I'm not afraid to say made me a little bit scared. Me and my wife were staying in a holiday cottage, which is owned by my uncle. And it's near Neffin in North Wales, as I said. 
And this cottage they bought, and unbeknownst to them at the time as they bought it, they bought it from somebody who was a white witch. Obviously, as you know, white witch is, or white witchcraft, sorry, is something that is believed to be good. There's no harm in it. But obviously, a lot of the locals were a little bit concerned about this lady's practices, and they learned a little bit about it once they'd bought their house. In fact, as they were having the kitchen refurbished there, there was a stack of stones in the window which had been put there by the previous resident that they decided that they were going to leave there from the stories that they'd heard about her, just because they were told if these stones were to be moved, it could break a spell of protection that had been put on the house. Anyway, my wife and I turned up in North Wales to stay there for a couple of days. Now, my auntie was staying there at the time and she was due to leave that night, but she had said, we'll stay an extra night. We'll show you around. We, you know, show you the place just until you get familiar with how it works, which is great. And also it was nice just to go down the pub and spend some, some, some great time with some family. Anyway, we got back from the pub and we were talking and they were relating stories about the previous owner, this this witch. And my auntie, I think it may even been my auntie's sister who was also there, made a comment saying, yeah, and also apparently this lady was also the village bike. Now, at that point, there was a huge thud against the front door and literally it stopped us all in our tracks because it was one heck of a bang. And literally, we all felt the hair on the back of our necks stand up collectively. We ran to the door to see who was there. Nobody. There was nobody about. It was in the middle of nowhere. Nothing could have feasibly made that noise. And I have to say, it did make us feel really quite uncomfortable. Nonetheless, though, we'd had a few beers. We went to bed. The following day, my auntie and her sister moved on. And, you know, we just had that experience a few times while we were there that maybe we weren't the only two that were there. Speaking to my cousin Jack, who also lived there for a time, he was working in Abbasock at a local pub and he was staying at the cottage. And he experienced a few things while he was there and actually eventually ended up moving in to a rented room above the pub because he started to feel a little bit uncomfortable. One night he was sat there watching TV. He was there alone all by himself and old doors in old buildings like that, you know, there, there's a little gap between and he is absolutely certain that he saw feet moving underneath. So had you asked me, before that, do I believe in witchcraft? My answer probably would have been no. Having experienced that huge thud of the door at that opportune moment when somebody was speaking ill of this witch, you know, I started to believe just a little bit. Anyway, back to the case of Molly Lee. Molly was born in the year of 1685 in or around the town of Burslem in Stoke-on-Trent. I haven't been able to find an exact date of birth for her. And in fact, the age in which she passed away is also disputed. However, most cases have her at the age of 63. So she passed away in the year of 1748. And in the intervening years, there are many, many tales about her. Molly, or Margaret as she was originally called, had garnered attention from a very, very young age. Most accounts have a, has a very unfortunate-looking individual. The word ugly is used. It's not something I care to use, to be honest. It seems a little unfair and judgmental. But anyway, there are many, many feelings that her appearance was unpleasant. And from 
just a few hours old. The stories tell that she was able to eat the crusts of bread, which obviously made people feel quite uncomfortable because that just isn't normal for a child of that age. Legends also say that she eschewed her mother's breast milk and actually favoured suckling the milk of cattle instead. Seems unlikely, but if we were to take this case at face value, that this is somebody that peculiar, then maybe, maybe that is feasible. Certainly we know that cow's milk can be consumed today and is consumed by everybody. So is it that unusual of a story? I don't know. Sadly, her parents died at a very young age, leaving Molly to fend for herself. So from very, very young, she had to find a way to earn a living. And from what we understand, she did this by selling milk into into the local towns, Burslem, etc. And also, I believe, wheat and barley and such from the local fields. She was often accused of watering down the milk, etc., which obviously led to her being an unpopular character. Factor in on top of that as well that her cottage was literally in the middle of nowhere. She lived out in the woods at a place called Hamel Grange, which was then known as Jackfield. And on top of that, while she was there, she had allegedly befriended a bird, some say a blackbird, some say a jackdaw. And obviously, if you're familiar with witchcraft, then this bird or being was referred to as a familiar, almost like a soul which has encapsulated that that bird or that being. Obviously, you know, if we if we look at something like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and I apologize for mentioning that, then obviously Salem the cat in that is the familiar that's inhabited by the soul of something else, something that is believed to be inherently evil. So, so far we know she was an unusual looking individual, unpopular with the locals because of her looks, because of how she lived, and obviously because of this bird that she carried with her, allegedly sitting on her shoulder. So why then did we then jump to the conclusion that she was a witch? Well, unfortunately, she made a local enemy, a gentleman by the name of Parson Spencer. Now, he was the rector of St. John's Church, which is where she is now buried, and he had declared her to be a witch. There are a number of stories surrounding this, how she'd soured milk, and on one occasion had soured beer that he was drinking in the local pub. The bird had appeared and the beer had turned sour, leaving him to have an uncomfortable stomach. The story tells that he took a shot at the bird, arguably believing that he hit it. The bird flew away unharmed. Now we've all had a dicky pint, and let's face it, it really isn't a very pleasant experience. But poor old Parson was taken to his bed for several weeks, and this is what led him to believe that there was something much more sinister in that dodgy pint of beer that he had had, and that feud grew, and he continued to accuse her of witchcraft. Although accused of witchcraft, she was never charged with it, and this is sadly because she passed away before these charges were brought against her, and that she could be held accountable for what she was accused of. Now, stories tell actually she was buried more than once. Some say she was buried as many as three times. It was indeed Parson Spencer who buried her at the church at St. John's himself. Unconvinced that she would stay buried because the bird 
whether that be the raven or the blackbird, was becoming a bit of a nuisance, pestering people in the graveyard, etc., etc., etc. So they rounded up a posse of people and headed out to her cottage in the woods late one night. Anyway, they enter the door, and legend has it, and people swear by this testimony, as they entered, they saw Molly sat there, knitting by the fireside with a bird on her shoulder. Quite how she ended up in her grave again after that is unclear. There's no real stories that I can find that tell how she was then put into her grave. But if this was indeed a living, breathing person or corpse that was moving around, something then must have happened to it to get it back in the ground. And I can't find any reference to what that was. Anyway, the good pastor had decided that something had to be done about it. And he decided that this ghost, this spirit had to be silenced. And legend has it that he dug her up again and placed the bird which had been captured still alive with her. Some legends say he drove a stake through her heart. This is unproven. And it seems to be honest, a little bit extreme, but it was a very different time back then. So maybe, just maybe that is what had occurred. The final burial is possibly the most unusual in terms of how she was actually buried. Rather than the east to west facing, the good rector had insisted on her being facing north to south. Now this is something that is often done in cases where people are accused of witchcraft. And if you visit the church, you can clearly see that this grave points in a very different trajectory than all the other graves. To this day, this is how this grave lies and that's not the only unusual thing about the grave now keep in mind that this is a lady who had to sell milk and wheat from fields for a living certainly she wasn't cash rich however the grave itself is really quite large standing nearly four feet high so the question remains who paid for this was it paid by the church was it paid for by pagans which is another rumor which i have read certainly there's no definitive answer on this history at that time wasn't recorded to the level that necessary would have liked it to the record keeping of today didn't exist back then but like i say clearly that grave points in a different direction at some point history backs up the stories that we've heard somebody believed this individual to be guilty of something akin to witchcraft hence why the grave was pointed in that direction whether that is to upset the spirit to stop the spirit from coming back no one really understands the true beliefs of that time the story doesn't just end there though I don't know if you're familiar with the occultist Alistair Crowley. Well, one of his associates was a, a lady by the name of Sybil Leake. Now, Sybil claimed that she was a witch. She also claimed that she was a descendant of uh, Molly's. Whether this is true or not, we don't know. Sybil claimed that she was born in Staffordshire. Whether this can be tracked back to Molly it's debatable because let's face it, if you've ever tried to track your family tree, record keeping around that time, as I said, was 
very, very sketchy. I've tracked my family tree and it is very, very difficult to pinpoint with a certain degree of accuracy around about that timescale. So maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. But certainly there are stories that tell that during the 1940s and 1950s, Sybil Leak visited Burslem and was said to walk around the town with a jackdaw on her shoulder, which obviously was a reference to the familiar of Molly Lee's that she used to carry with her at all times and used to sit upon her shoulder. So then, what are the hauntings? What are the different experiences then that people have had? First of all, there is a legend that says, if you were to sing Molly Lee, Molly Lee, you can't catch me and run around her grave three times that she will chase you. There's different versions of this. Another one being Molly Lee, Molly Lee, chase me around the apple tree. Now, this is a common, common story, isn't it? I think when we're younger, we've all done that thing where at midnight, you chase around the church three times anti-clockwise and you'll come face to face with the devil. Of course, we've done it. And of course, it never happened. So this seems to me a little dubious, but certainly it is one of the legends that exist about her. The other stories of hauntings about her seem to center around the town of Burslem itself, the town where she lived. Now, stories tell that she's been seen walking around the town late at night, apologizing to folks for her behavior. This, I mean, this is one of those things that is very, very unclear. First of all, it goes down to what you believe a ghost is. If you are believing that is a spirit, then that's all well and good. That is sort of feasible. Whether you believe that they can speak again is another matter. Certainly, with witchcraft being involved here, you can sort of believe why people would potentially believe that. If you were to go down, say, a more, and I use the, the term very, very liberally, scientific route, in terms of there's those that believe that where ley lines exist underneath the ground, we have the electrical field around the earth, when someone's emotions are heightened, we have a field around us which is electrical that keeps all our particles together. I think that, that is, you know, that is the case. That when those motions are heightened and we have the magnetic field, it could almost be like a a video recording of this moment of high stress. So if we were to believe that, then this seems unlikely that it would then be able to communicate. Now, Burslem, as we said earlier, is the place I was born. It's just on my doorstep. It's a 20-minute drive away from where I live here in South Cheshire. So that's what I did. I jumped in the car earlier, and I went down to the graveside, and I visited St. John's Church and, more importantly, Molly Lee's graveside. So here's a recording that I made while I was there. I will apologize in advance that it was a very, very wet and windy day. I did have the furry cover on my microphone. However, it's taken away some of that background noise, but not all of it. So give it a listen. And this is my experiences of what I found when I visited the graveside of Molly Lee. So I'm here at St. John's Church in Burslem. It is a rainy day and at the grave of Molly Lee. It's the middle of the day, so it really isn't that eerie. Maybe a visit at night. I definitely, definitely feel things were a little bit different. Very old church. Not too many graves. Very, very easy to locate right next to the church itself. Uh, it appears to be unmarked, but I have checked online and the pictures that I can see there is they're consistent and it is the only grave 
that is pointing north to south as opposed to east to west, which is interesting. So certainly, certainly somebody believed that there was there was wrongdoings. You know that she didn't deserve necessarily the the burial that others around her deserved. That certainly there was there was a belief that that witchcraft was at play. I'll get some pictures of the church and I'll share those online if you want to check them out on my Twitter profile. And I'll get some pictures, obviously, of the grave. Um, very strange, really, that given that she was supposedly a pauper, it is, I'm not going to say it's ostentatious, but it's certainly large. It's, it's not what you would, you would say would be a grave that was, from somebody who had no money, you know, it's, it's a good couple of feet high, it's slabs on top of it, it stands out. It's large, it's larger than many of the ones around it. So whoever paid for it certainly, you know, certainly back then would have had a little bit of money, bearing in mind this was a long time ago. Certainly the proximity to the church is interesting. I mean, it is eight foot away from the church wall. Whether this wall was here then, I doubt it looks a lot more modern, but certainly it would have been very, very close to the original building. Maybe that's because obviously it will have been one of the oldest graves there is here, so they will have built close to it and then sort of buried people further and further away as the graveyard became more full. But certainly it is very, very, very close to the building, which I find I find quite interesting. I'd almost, if I'm honest, hope to see some flowers here from Well Wishes. Um, it's Mother's Day that I'm recording this on. Obviously, as far as we know, she had no children, but it would have been nice. It would have been nice just to see, you know, something here. But that said, it's an old graveyard, many, many old graves. And, and truthfully, though, I, I can't see any flowers on any of the graves here. The church is obviously closed during the pandemic, so it's blocked off. I'm parked on the road nearby. Nice and easy to find. Interestingly enough, not too far to drive. It took me less than half an hour to get here. And uh, yeah, not too far from my house, as I say. And also, interestingly enough, like I, I will have mentioned earlier in the podcast, I was born in Burslem, which is why I, uh, I wanted to start here. Taking a closer look at the building, you can clearly see that, like I say, part of it's been added on. The older stone building was a little bit further away, but still very, very, very close, very, very close to the church building itself. So, yeah, I, I think that location, I, I just find that very interesting that if indeed she was buried three times, as some of the rumours have said, that I find it unusual that, that it would be so close. It seemed to me it's something that would have been done further away. I don't know. A lot of these buildings here, obviously, are much, much more modern. None of the buildings that surround it are, have any age to it, you know, I would say, probably. I think it's been a worthwhile experience coming out here. I've recorded many podcast episodes in the past, all for my other podcast, Tallboy Radio, and I've always done that and sat in the comfort and the warmth of my own kitchen. And to come out here and record next to the grave of Molly Lee, I think it's been a worthwhile experience. Definitely one I look forward to repeating when I record further episodes of this podcast. You really get a feel for the character of the place and it adds to me a little bit to the story. Would have very, very much liked to see something like a jackdaw sat near the grave or a blackbird or something like that, but that was that would be asking an awful lot. 
taking some pictures please check out my twitter feed just to have a look at those of the church and the surrounding area and of the grave itself so hopefully hopefully you'll find it interesting so let's look then at what we know first of all let's examine that grave that is pointing in a opposite direction to the rest of the grave certainly that's undisputed that is the case that is how it is you visit that graveyard it is very very clear to see it points from north to south not the other way around from east to west like all the other graves do and i mean all the other graves this is the one exception to that rule does this prove then categorically that this individual this, that, that molly lee was a witch i mean truthfully it doesn't what it does prove is that she was accused of it in many ways, I believe. The, the, the individual, the rector who buried her, had accused her of it. He believed that she was a witch, and certainly the grave points in an opposite direction, more than likely because of this. Next, let's look at those childish rhymes, the dancing around the grave three times and singing the songs to bring forth the spirit. Do I believe in that? Well, I've got to be honest. Well, do I believe that? spirits can be brought forth by incantations you know what i i'm not adverse to believing that, that just might be feasible certainly there are plenty of stories where that has occurred but from such a childish rhyme it seems unlikely it seems to me that this probably has its origins in parents wanting to keep their children away from playing in the graves and just generally messing around when they're on their way to church. It just seems a little too far-fetched for me. It seems like one of those things that, that is brought about that the legend exists and therefore let's add this in to stop our kids being a goddamn nuisance in the churchyard. The burial occurred three times. Is this believable? Yeah, to be honest, it is because... People believed different things back in the 1600s, and certainly if we consider the possibility that it could be true, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, that grave was disturbed more than once to satisfy someone's curiosity, just to prove that indeed that Molly had passed away, that she wasn't coming back to haunt them. The idea of a bird being in the graveyard that is causing fear again yeah it's not it's not too far-fetched to believe certainly if you look at things like the the legend of Greyfriars bobby it's it's not a dissimilar sort of idea to that is it really although if you do visit that graveyard they will tell you the story actually the dog was you know not necessarily belonged to the owner that was buried there it was just some damn nuisance of a of a dog that lived in the graveyard and caused chaos while it was there then what about the sightings of the ghost of molly are these believable? Well, to me they are, because anybody who has seen an apparition believes it wholeheartedly. The idea that she could be apologizing and contacting sort of vocally seems a little bit too far-fetched, so I find that quite hard to believe. Jumping in then to the comments pages on the different websites that I visited, there are a number of different theories shared and a number of different opinions. The general consensus is, though, is that she should be left well alone, despite whether you believe she was a witch or whether you believe she wasn't, that this is history that should just be well left alone. Apparently, the grave itself used to have railings around it to, to protect it from possible vandalism, as it had been vandalized in the past. And certainly, when I visited it, if you see the, 
pictures that I have on Twitter, there are certainly some damage that has occurred to it that could be through time. To be fair, it's a very, very old piece of stone. But there is a general consensus, like I say, just to leave well alone. There are stories as well, including one left by a lady by the name of Leone Page Gilbride, who seems to believe that the that Molly dwells within the, the, the bell tower of the church itself. Maybe it's something I could revisit and have a look at once the church itself is opened. Certainly what we do know about Molly is that she had a very troubled and difficult life. She was unfortunate in her appearance. There's various speculations that she may have had a number of ailments which led her to have this unfortunate appearance. Her parents having died at such a young age means she will have had to fend from herself uh, from a very, very young age. And that in itself is very, very difficult. You know, it's not too difficult to believe that because of this her social skills may have suffered she lived by herself she was on the outskirts of society you can sort of see why people could have pointed the finger at her the story of the bird being her familiar may be true maybe not true who's to know so many years ago so many years have passed that it's impossible to say the stories of the beer or the milk turning sour and the rector becoming ill, you know, they, they could be true. Who's to say? Who's to say? But at the same time, the level of sanitation, people often used to drink beer and the likes of gin because the water wasn't especially pure. So the thought of someone becoming ill and severely ill with severe stomach problems and dysentery, etc., not beyond the realms of possibility. And certainly, you know, could it be witchcraft? Possibly. Could it just be general ailments? Much more likely. So, in closing then, do I believe that Molly Lee was a witch? Well, I have to say, this is one of those stories that I really, really don't want to debunk. It's a local legend, and it's one I would love to be true. And if people want to believe in it, then that's great. Let's keep that legend alive. Let's keep those stories being told. But for me, I do think this one is one that is too easily explained. The sign of the times, the 1600s, there was a lot of finger pointing and witchcraft blaming going on. And I do think that this lady was probably just an unfortunate outsider living on the outskirts of town, who was castigated for her appearance and the unusual way in which she lived, probably due to the lack of social skills. So for me, I can't see it myself. I would love to hear from anybody who's had any experiences in St. John's Church or in the surrounding areas, if they've seen a ghost, if they've been chased at midnight on Halloween by, by the, the spirit of Molly, then please, please, please get in contact. Drop me a message at H Haunting Pod on Twitter or hhauntingpod at hotmail.com for the email. Please, please, please get in contact and let me know if you've got any experiences or opinions on this matter because you know what? I'd love to hear them. Whether Molly was a witch or not, I hope that she rests in peace, but I also hope that we keep that legend alive. That brings this episode to a close. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've certainly enjoyed looking into the story. I wasn't familiar with the Molly Lee legend before I started investigating it. And certainly being able to go there and visit the graveside and just 
taste a little bit of that history. For me, it really has been a fantastic experience. And I hope you'll join me next time when I'm looking into another case with a history of hauntings. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.